Hey there, this is David S. Hogan. Welcome to the River Heights Buzz Podcast. On today's episode, I will talk to you about a few characters I have voiced for Nancy Drew video games with her interactive. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz Podcast. We're on episode 74 today. We're your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. I got a question for you, Candace. What's that? You got your torque ready? I'm ready, yeah. And if you don't know the reference, <laughs> we'll explain it for you in okay. the game today. Today we're talking about game number seven, Ghost Dogs of Moon Lake. And we have a very special interview, don't we, Candice? Yes, we do. And who is the person we are interviewing or, or have already interviewed? <laughs> you remember? No, actually I don't. Uh, it is David S. Hogan. That's right. Sorry, Megan. I want to apologize to David, too, for that. Yeah. Sorry, David. Love you. <laughs> he was the voice of Red Knot in this game. He also voiced Brady Armstrong and the Amazing Monty in the final scene. I feel like there's another one, too, that he did. Uh, he... Mm, I feel like you're right. We're he... searching it up now. <laughs> S. Hogan. He was awesome to talk to as well. It's such a fun interview. It was. Oh, Henrik Vanderhuen and yeah, Scarlet Hand. And Tex yeah. Britton in Shadow Ranch. Yeah. But he's done a lot of other stuff. He's done like some producing, acting, obviously. So, yep. yeah. He's done directing, kind of a jack of all trades. So stick around to the end of this game chat and you get to listen to that interview. I've got my dogs here, so if you all hear anything in the background, that's what it is. They're all, like, sleeping and snoozing right now, so we'll see how long that lasts. And in honor of talking about Ghost Dogs of Moon Lake, which is one of my favorite games, and, you know, due to the subject matter of it, I am drinking a lovely alcoholic beverage. So I'll just preface this by saying that this episode will deal a little bit with alcohol, so... Be aware of that. And also, if you are of age, please drink responsibly. Yes. Make choices. That's Step important. Up. And that was Wisdom with Candace. <laughs> Me and Candace were messaging earlier, and I was like, we're, it's going to get lit tonight. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> this is from the Nancy Drew Wiki Fandom favorite website. Hunt for clues on the trail of a pack of phantom hounds. You, as Nancy Drew, must pick up the cold trail left by a notorious gangster who once lived in the lakeside cabin recently purchased by your friend Sally McDonald. The cabin was formerly owned by Mickey Malone, a Prohibition-era gangster on Moon Lake, Pennsylvania. However, Sally soon becomes very frightened and asks you for help. When you arrive, a tree falls and blocks you in, and Sally is nowhere to be found. Sally soon calls you and tells you why she left. Malone's dogs have apparently returned as ghost dogs, and they viciously attack the cabin each night. Are the ghostly legends true, or is there a flesh and blood answer to the dog's haunting howls? Decipher cryptic puzzles, search through a shadowy wood, creepy old houses, interview suspicious characters, and dodge danger to sniff out the truth behind local legends to solve the mystery. And the release date was... November 16th, 2002. 21 years ago. Yeah, wow. I can't 
that. And like we said, this is um, game number seven, and the ESRB rating is E for everyone. So I guess let's just go ahead and dive right in. I think this was also the first, well, the last game, the game before this was the first time that um, like a little trailer, teaser trailer was shown at the end of the game. Is that right? I think so. I'm pretty sure this is the first time. Uh, basically what happens is we get to Moon Lake and uh, the vibes of this game I just have to say for me personally, our chef's kiss. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> so we get to Sally's house and it's this like old rundown cabin, which I love a log cabin vibe. Like that's just me. I don't know about you. I don't know. Have you ever stayed in a log cabin? I've stayed in a cabin before that it was, it seemed like it was loggy type. Yeah. Yeah, like there's just something about the vibe. I don't know. Like, I just, I love it. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this place is very obviously seen better days, which even so, I still would love to stay there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's just a good vibe. Um, so basically, we're there to meet our friend Sally McDonald, but she isn't there. And so... Uh, first thing that happened to me was I got the phone call from Sally and she had horrible reception, but she basically said something about dogs and attacking the house, basically said, you know, just be careful at night. And then the drama happens. Da, da, da. Like one of the best <laughs> cut scenes ever is the dogs attacking the house. It was so scary to me the first time that I ever played this game which this was pretty early on. I think I played this game pretty shortly after it actually came out because I was already playing the games at this time. So we had the ghost dog attack. It was terrifying. I'm sitting there as a child thinking, how are these dogs like making the doorknob move? Yeah. Like, and don't have thumbs. And one of my uh, thing, like one of my notes was like, thank goodness the dogs don't know how to open the door. Yeah. Or like if they did, like what would they do? If they got in the house. Exactly. That is stressful. Then that scene ends and the dogs run off. And immediately in Nancy's mind, it's like the perfect time to go outside. I have a meme that I saved on my phone about this scene. And it was like, ghost dogs viciously attack your house. And it shows one of the dogs. Mm -hmm. And then underneath, it's like, immediately step outside to investigate. <laughs> I mean, you know, not one of her brightest moves, but still very Nancy at the same time, uh -huh. you know. So went outside and I met the first character, Red Knot. I, I remember making all these weird bird noises and calls and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking he was a weirdo <laughs> the first time that I met him. But he basically tells uh, about uh, the ghost dogs and how they apparently come at night and then you hear like this really scary howling in the distance gotta go inside yeah <laughs> um so at this point i went ahead um and went to bed because that was more than enough for one day uh like i said earlier when i was reading the synopsis we are stuck at the house as far as car travel not gonna happen so speaking of the car and being essentially stuck Where's Nancy's car? Oh yeah, that's a good I that's a good observation. You don't ever see it. Because well, obviously you see the fallen tree, like mm -hmm. to the entrance and the exit. We see the lake, 
the bow, like everything else that's there that you can go to. But nowhere to be seen is Nancy's car. Yeah. And it should be parked beside the house. Yeah. So. I know. <laughs> and luckily it's not like one of those, like in the movies, like an invisible car. And she didn't just walk right into it. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, I started looking around the inside of the house, seeing just how bad a shape it was in. There's creaking broken floorboards. There are scurrying sounds that sound like mice. The place is just, I mean, you can tell it hasn't been lived in in a long time. It needs a lot of work. So I opened the cabinet above the sink and got the flashlight, got the map of the forest so I can start to kind of get my bearings when I go outside. Then I uh, start looking at like the post-it notes that were in there, talking about the floorboards, which we'll get to that. Um, (laughs) then I noticed the, um, cabinet that had the wood carvings of the dogs in the wall. All the dogs can move except for Iggy, so gotta get some sandpaper. Then I went outside at this point, and I saw that she had, like, a well water pump. Tried to make it work, and nothing worked. Uh, then I saw paw prints on the ground. Uh, then I saw the shed, went in there and looked, and I think there are, like, some kind of, like, throwback Easter egg kind of things in there. There are things that we've seen in other games. One of the things that really stuck out was the, uh, snow boots that were in there that are, like, um, Professor Hotchkiss's snow boots in Treasure in the Royal Tower. Um, and I think there was also a box in there that was from, um, Message in a Haunted Mansion. That was in the attic, I think. I saw, like, a picture or something online talking about all those little Easter eggs in the shed. Yeah, I think that's from Message in a Haunted Mansion, but don't quote me on that. Uh, At this point, I went down to the dock and saw that the boat was full of water, so I had to bail out the boat. And I'm surprised that the boat was still functional after, obviously, you have to get it fixed. Yeah. Like, is there a hole in the boat? Is that why the, the water was in there? Like... I don't know. I guess either that or maybe it rained. But with that much water? I I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I think this was during um, springtime. So there could have been a lot of rain. I don't know. But that's a good question. So got the screwdriver then (laughs) and tried to pull the cord on the engine. And of course, the boat doesn't work. So flipped up the box And we see that we're missing a spark plug. So not only do we need sandpaper, but we need a spark plug as well. So we're stuck. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) For the, like, that's very clear to see. Like, we can't go anywhere. Can't do anything, really. Just, well, Nancy obviously wouldn't twiddle her thumbs, but, you know. (laughs) A normal person would. But, you know, Nancy, she thinks on her feet and she figures things out. So at this point, I decided to start walking in the woods, which that's a horrible idea in general if you don't know where you are uh, or if it's a place you've never been to before. So, you know, do that with caution. But yeah, I went into the woods and I eventually made my way to the cemetery and saw more paw prints, um, like scratches on the um, mausoleum. And so I was looking at like the headstones 
I love the aesthetic of the woods. It's so easy to get lost though, because it looks so similar throughout. Like there's nothing that's like super clear cut. I mean, there's little things here and there, like there's the ribbon in one of the trees and then there's like the shoe that's halfway buried in the ground, but, and like logs that are down. But I mean, it's still really easy to get lost if you're not paying attention to where you click. And that's why it's handy that we have the map to kind of help where we are. Yeah. But still, like, even with the map, you could still maybe even get lost. Yeah. So. Yeah. So most of the time, I just clicked and clicked and clicked. (laughs) I just (laughs) hoped to get out. Where I was going. Yeah. So then at this point, um, I came back to the house and, like, looked around some found um, where Red Knot sits at night, but obviously it was during the daytime, so he wasn't there. So I went ahead and uh, changed the game over to nighttime at this point. Um, And I would remember thinking during the first time I played this game, I was like, oh my God, Sally said, and other people said that every night the dogs attack. Is it going to be an every night thing when I change it from day to night? Is there gonna be another dog attack? And I'm not going to lie, I kind of wish there was. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Or like every couple of nights. Yeah, because I feel like they they build this game as being a little bit scarier than it was. I'm not saying it wasn't scary because there definitely were some aspects that were scary. Yeah. But it could have been more so. And I really think that that, that kind of thing happens a lot with how they market games and how they first talk about games like in the teaser trailers at the end of prior games but I feel like that's probably just decisions that end up getting made during production that they end up thinking they're going to go one way but then it ends up changing you know what I mean yeah so there could be maybe an alternate story where there are more ghost dog attacks but you know uh, maybe if there were more it might have had to get a different rating I don't know maybe but either way change it to nighttime Went to talk to Red Knot. He has um, the stuff that can help us. Uh, this game, I think, is really important to always talk through all of the conversations with people. Otherwise, you can get stuck. I think there are future games where you don't necessarily have to have every single conversation with everybody. Um, but this game, it's really important to do that. So we learned that Red Knot does have an extra spark plug, but... In exchange for it, we have to do one of my least favorite tasks in all of the games, taking pictures. Got to go bird hunting. I know. It See, it wouldn't be nearly as bad if we didn't have to take pictures. But I get with bird watching, like, if you just wrote it down, like, you could just say that you saw it when you really didn't. So I understand the concept of taking pictures. But it's like one, I don't know about you, but it's one of my least favorite things that we have to do in games. Yeah. I think the worst culprit of it is um, warnings at Waverly Academy. Like when you have to take the pictures of the girls and it has to be just right. Oh my God. I hated that. It's so annoying. Uh Uh-huh. And the the best part is, is that with like a couple of the birds, like when you go to take their picture, they fly off. Yeah. Even and if it's like, quiet. And you need the camo gear to get the pictures. Yep. And 
red nod essentially is like you stick out like a sore thumb go get camo gear and blend in which i mean he's not he's not wrong i get that yeah so yeah we can only do so much of this until we run into the problem of scaring away the couple um last birds that are there that we need to get pictures of he gives us the camera and the bird call tape so we can listen to the calls figure out what bird is that that's making the call if it's one that we need to get a picture of but we have to get the cassette player from m who is a character we haven't met yet so then at this point i went ahead and went back to the cabin made it morning time again so that i could go ahead and start taking some pictures like you said got the advice from red you need camo then at this point, I went ahead and fixed the um, rotten floorboards that I could fix inside of the house with wood that I found from outside. That still doesn't even seem safe, to be honest. No. Like, you would need to, to me, you would have to rip out the whole floor. Yep. And fix it. Yep. And anything else that needs to be fixed while you're there. Because this is just not, this is like, you're barely doing anything yeah. <laughs> to help. You know what I mean? I can't imagine floor that old would have such a small spot that was rotten. I would think that the whole thing would be rotten. Yeah. Then I noticed the outline of a door in the wall. So I'm like, "Mm, we'll get we'll get to that. (laughs) And and why couldn't we like when we found the boards like one at a time, why couldn't we just nail one in at a time? Yeah. Instead of waiting for all three to nail them in the, at the same time. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> then I asked Red about the well water, and he said that we needed to get it tested and that the park ranger could help us with that. And he said to look for birds early in the morning, so went and changed it back to morning again. I got the spark plug at this point, fixed the engine, and the first place that I went to was actually to the park ranger's place. And I met Ranger Acres, and he's a jerk. Oh my gosh, I didn't like him. No one in the game liked him, Mm-mm. and I don't blame him. Mm-mm. Um, he's like real stuck on the fact that he's a park ranger and like making sure that everybody follows every single rule of the park, which I get that, but it's like overkill the way that he acts about it. Um, and he can't be in every single place at the same time. No. So if there was like, for example, if someone just threw a piece of trash on the ground, didn't put it in the garbage. How and if it like how would he know? Let's say it was like Nancy, Sally, Red, and M. Okay. Mm-hmm. If one of them did it, how would he know it was specifically that person? Right. That could have been any one of the four. Right. So like and it couldn't could have been too like someone that just came for the day, mm-hmm. you know? Like <laughs> But he, that bugs me. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently his dad was the same way. Yeah. So. Which we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so it's almost like he makes it seem like it's much more than a state park, which I'm not saying that state parks don't need to be regulated and have park rangers 
in place because they do. But he just goes so over the top with it. Yeah. And it makes everybody miserable. But nonetheless, we get the water testing kit from him. Um, he mails the letter for us that Nancy wrote. Then I kind of walked around the whole ranger station and looked at everything. And then um, I went to uh, M's Emporium and I talked to M about needing a chainsaw. She said that she's going to call Tucker Davis, but says that he basically does things on his own time. So who knows when, you know, he'll be able to get there. I asked her about her antiques that she had in her shop because her, her shop is the shop that I would like to go to in real life. I'm not going to lie because there's like so much stuff in there to look at. You don't know what you're going to find. So right up my alley. I tell her that I need some camouflage gear and she makes us get bugs for her, which I don't oh, like. Oh my God. Especially at nighttime. I hated yeah. that. Yeah, because I was afraid walking in the woods that one of the dogs was going to come out. Uh -huh. And honestly, like, the music does not help. Mm -mm. Because there's definitely a change in music during the day versus at night. Yeah, it gets and, much scarier and dramatic at night. And honestly, I'm I kind love of... It though. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking the same thing with the dogs. Like, I didn't want to get attacked by one of them. Yeah. When I was out searching for bugs yeah because i'm like oh gosh i don't know what would have happened mm -hmm. well i, I kind of figured you know what would happen but i didn't want it to happen yeah so. but now now that i'm older i'm like man that would have been that would have been pretty cool <laughs> uh -huh. i had to find the bugs for her like i said i looked around uh in the shop and then i went back to the cabin and I tested the water, got the sample. So I then took it back to the ranger station um, to give the water sample to Jeff, did some more searching for birds and, you know, <laughs> still is having problems. I went back to the house and made it nighttime again and then went and talked to Red Knot again and got the sandpaper from him for the dog statues in the cabinet. And then I just started moving them around, trying to figure out which way they got that puzzle taken care of. I was now able to open the door, uh, went down the steps, and I saw the framed picture and now we're in the cellar and you can hear squeaking again from mice which is so creepy and gross like when you i'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit but when you open the safe in a little while and the mice are there so gross they're gross and creepy mm -hmm. like mice are gross and creepy to begin with but in the game they make them look extra creepy yeah so ugh. Um, and then I looked around and I saw the newspaper article on the steps talking about a William Akers. And it's like, hmm, wonder if he's related to Jeff. Mm -hmm. Must be. I got back in the boat and went over to the ranger station, talked to Jeff, saw his dog there. The dog was adorable, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, showed him the picture from the cellar. 
he said that he was going to do some research um, and then we had to do the Roman numerals puzzle, which I remember the first time I ever had to do that puzzle. It took me forever. Like the Roman numerals, I still get confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember being really confused when I was younger. Finally got that figured out and did some more reading and um, looking around there. And then I went back to Sally's house and... Um, that was when I got into the safe. The mice are there. So gross. Uh, used the gloves and the mask to look through. You're essentially, you're essentially getting dressed as a hazmat, like in a hazmat suit. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, it makes sense, though, because like animals like mice can carry nasty diseases or they can have like ticks on them that can carry like Lyme disease, you know. So, I mean, it's it's good that they were saying, you know, be really careful if you're around stuff like that because you can get really sick. There was the map in there. I went back to the ranger station at this point and uh, Jeff had done some research on the uh, woman that was in the picture. Her name was Vivian Whitmore. And um, then I asked Jeff about the water test results, if he had those in, and the water has high levels of arsenic. Of course it does. Yeah. So, um, he acts like it's not a big deal. <laughs> okay. Um, pretty sure that is a big deal, but you do you, Ranger Acres, that's fine. And then since I was out... In the boat, I decided to go and talk to M again at the Emporium, talk to her about everything that I could. Then I went back to the house, called Sally, told her how the well was contaminated. And then after I got off the phone with her, that was when I started searching for the bugs during the daytime because we have to do it at night as well. Um, so I caught as much as I could during the day. And then um, I went back at night and got all the rest of the bugs and then changed it again to daytime since you can't get in the boat at night and got our camouflage gear and then finished taking the pictures for Red Knot. And of course, the, the last one um, is the hawk picture. Had to talk to him about that. Then he said to look at the big tree just southwest of Sally's house. Now, let me, this, this is my issue. And this is just me having a hard time with directions. If someone tells me something is southwest, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Like cardinal directions? No. I know. I'm not the greatest with that either. <laughs> to no. Be like, I can't read a map. Uh-huh. If GPS wasn't a thing, I would be lost constantly. Uh-huh. Just, you know, it's not one of my strong suits. So, whatever. Either way, I finally figured out where to stand to try to search for the hawk. There's not a tree there anymore, like he said, but you can tell that there was a tree. Um, and all that's left is a stump. And uh, then, you know, after listening to the cassette tape... I hear the hawk noise and see one perched on the roof. Go to take a picture. 
looks like the bird is standing on something, and then we get knocked out. Dun, dun, dun. And then we wake up in the shed, and it's on fire. Because of course it is. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be on fire? Exactly. And we're tied up. Which doesn't help. Which just adds to the drama. Finally, get out of there. Run and get the bucket of water to put the fire out. Just barely make it. Okay, so I have an issue. You know we use the scythe to get ourselves, like, free, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? How does that thing not chop off some part of Nancy's body? I know, because those things are really sharp, aren't they? Yeah. I don't know. Like, and from where... So Nancy is, like, looking at, like, the tools, essentially, right? Yeah. So if Nancy had to scoot herself sideways and she knocked this guy down to get the rope cut off her hands, I would assume it would have got her arm in some way. Yeah, because, I mean, it would have to fall just perfectly to just hit the ropes and cut them just right. So that she's free. Yeah. And then also, who knows how long it's been there. So it's probably rusty. Yeah. Which means if you got cut by it, you would absolutely need to get a tetanus shot. Yeah. Because you could get sick. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Like, living out in the country like this is not for the faint of heart. Like, there are a lot of things you have to consider. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You know, despite the fact that we almost, you know, died in a fire that we were tied up in, we get yelled at by Red Knot. Okay, this is the only time he comes out during the day. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... And it's to yell at us. Like, back off, dude. Yeah, Honestly. you don't know all the information. You don't know what happened. We took care of it, and that's the most important thing. And then didn't we get a ticket or something? From Ranger uh, Acres? Did we? I don't remember. Like I feel like something happened with Ranger Acres. It might have. I can't remember. Anywho. Um so after Red yells at us, he says, I need to talk to you tonight. Why so, couldn't you have just talked to us now? Whatever. I don't know, because he's weird. <laughs> um, so then at that point, after I was, you know, done getting yelled at, I called Sally, talked to her on the phone, uh, and then I um, changed it to nighttime again, because, like I said, we got to go talk to Red, um, give him the camera with the pictures, uh, and then... I was heading back to the house and noticed that there was a ladder leading up to the roof, which I hadn't noticed before. And so I climbed up it and the speaker that the hawk was sitting on is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then I um, went in the house and changed it back to morning time. And then this is when I called Vivian Whitmore and talked to her. 
uh, and learned how she used to date Mickey Malone and learned that the house actually has a speakeasy, which is one of my favorite aspects of this game, which is also where we get our phrase when we go down the rabbit hole. Instead of saying going down the rabbit hole, we say we're going down into the speakeasy. It's because of this game. And it was like, when we were thinking of like, what are we going to call that segment? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we don't want to just keep calling it. We're going to the rabbit hole or yeah. some random thing. Cause that Nancy to your podcast. Nancy. Like it, it has to have Nancy related something or other. Exactly. Right? So I was like, what if we just called it that we're going to the speakeasy? Yeah. Cause if we don't want anyone else to know like what we're talking about or what we're doing, let's just go there. Exactly. So perfect. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um then she tells us that the regular way that people had to get into the speakeasy was to go through the cemetery. Um, and then, uh, after I finished talking to her, I went to the ranger station and asked, uh, Ranger Acres to mail the picture. And then, um, see, oh, then I had to do some sleeping because I had to waste some time to get the key. Uh, so I go end up going back to the ranger station and the key is there. To me, for me, when I played it, I took the picture, I mailed it, did some other things, and then I went back like the same day, and I got the key. I didn't oh, even, really? I didn't even take a nap or anything. Oh shoot! <laughs> well, actually, I had to take two naps because I had to take a nap, and it was nighttime, and then you can't do anything except for talk to Red at night. So I had to take another nap and make it daytime again, and then I went. Well. Uh, Good to know that I don't have to do that. And um, we forgot again which level we played at. Shoot! Made it almost the whole time without saying. Um, Junior Detective. I feel like I could do this one on Senior Detective. I I don't think I've ever played it on Senior. But I feel like I know this game well enough that I could probably do Senior. But this time it was Junior. I did Junior too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Maybe the next time I play it, I'll do senior. Okay. So then I went to um, the cemetery and did the um, tombstone puzzles so that I could get into the um, speakeasy. Uh, Candace, where's Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Like, when you go to the cemetery, you have to go to Waldo's gravestone to be able to get to the speakeasy. Yep. And it turns out the password is Baldo. Yeah, which I don't know how we got to that, but... I don't know. That's that's what it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then, of course, soon as we're getting to the good part... Batteries die in the flashlight. So does Nancy just not turn the lights off on the flashlight? I don't know. 
because it almost seemed as though because we had to get new batteries as soon as the new batteries are put in the lights working it seems like it, as soon as nancy puts it away in her bag the light stays on mm-hmm. so she just is letting the battery run yeah ridiculous i mean batteries last longer than that yeah but whatever um so had to go to talk to m and she has batteries but we have to set up the combo cola display so we did that and then we get the batteries and then now finally get to the good part yes (laughs) Um, the way that they had the designs speakeasy, oh my God, it's perfect. Yeah. And that's just me. Like, I love the Prohibition era. I feel like all the people just looked so beautiful during that time and so classy. Like, I love the fashions. I just love every, everything about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, got into the speakeasy, started looking around, um, saw the pictures of the dogs, and then saw the bar itself, and then had to do the spigot puzzle. Um, that was another, it looked like uh, the Roman numeral thing with the spigots. Yeah, it took me forever to realize that that was like why the dogs' names, the first letter of all their names were Roman numerals. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes my, my brain just like doesn't work. Um, and that was one of those times. And when I say it took me a long time, I mean, like, it's just recently that I realized. And why does it matter, like, what color? the dog's collars matched with the spigots like i know that they had the colors had to match but like what's the like why the only thing that i can think of is the dogs i think are supposed to be rottweilers and i feel like like i don't know a whole lot about that breed but i feel like there's not a lot of different looks that you'll get like i feel like a lot of them look alike so I assume that Mickey really had to rely on the colors of their collars to figure out which one was which. I mean, it's not like my dogs. Like, I have two yellow labs, but they look very different. So I can tell them apart. But I feel like if you have a dog like a Rottweiler, they all really look alike. And then you would have to remember which color goes with which dog. Yeah. In Mickey's case. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like their colors just don't differentiate that much. No. So. Because there's, there's blue, yellow, red, and green. Yeah. The colors, right? So. Yeah. They should have had, like, a little collar with their name on, like, another little piece. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So yeah. you know, like, which one, which dog is which. Yeah. So. Um. So finally got that done and then another passageway opens and I followed 
the light and saw the mosaics. Um, and then remembered that um, quote that the dogs will lead the way. <laughs> um, and then another secret passage opens and go forward and see that there's a locked door, but we don't have a key. Um, and all this is buried underneath the cabin in the woods. Yeah. Which is like, how did they manage this? Yeah, like, like I want to know how big the underground footprint is. And like, how the earth above it is stable enough that it doesn't fall in all these years later. They must have had some kind of, like, structural, like, beams or something to keep it all up. Which I guess that makes sense because, like, obviously, okay, during Prohibition, for those that don't know, alcohol was outlawed. So it's like these people would have these speakeasies as places that you could go to drink. Now, it was against the law, obviously, so that's why everybody had to be quiet about it. And that's kind of where the name speakeasy comes from. But, I, I mean, I guess that makes sense because I remember... I did a project when I was in high school years ago about um, this period of history and that some of the people that would move the alcohol, they're called bootleggers, would go as far as having special shoes made that were um, the outline of the bottom of the shoe was in the shape of like a hoof print so that it looked like animal prints and not regular human footprints. Like, they thought that far ahead to try to get away with having alcohol. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a very serious thing. Like, people wanted to drink. Yeah. So. But, yeah, that's, like, the whole speakeasy vibe, the tunnels, it's all, like, a cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So cool. Can we do something like that, Candace, that's Nancy Drew related? Oh, my God. I would love it. Which... Speaking of that, I'll I'll get to that once we finish because we're almost there, sadly. Um, hey, hey, there's our speakeasy talk. There you go. <laughs> speakeasy right in there. the speakeasy. <laughs> right there. It makes sense. Works out perfectly. Yep. Um, so found another secret room, and lo and behold, there are real dogs there. Mm-hmm. So someone has been down there recently and has been spending a lot of time down there. Um, so went over to the desk and got the key, um, read the journal, learned about some antiques, um, and then walked through the door after using the key, got the wheel well, and then that's a way to die. So we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> and we're almost there. Um, and then um, turned around and saw that there were a bunch of wheels and then the one that was missing. So um, had to use the screwdriver, had to use some torque to get the job done. Um, and then uh, let's see. Oh, another Roman numeral puzzle, which I remember the first time I played this game. Uh, I mean, it like wore me out 
solved that puzzle and then the door opens to reveal the hidden gold. And then the door closes behind us and it's the culprit. And drum roll, please. The culprit is M. Did you, when you first played it, did you think it was M? Honestly, no. I thought it was red. Yeah. Just because he was, he made it clear from the get go that he really liked to watch for birds. And he made it painfully clear that more people in the park would make it harder to bird watch, which makes sense. I get that. So I thought he might be capable of, you know, trying to scare Sally away. Um, So, yeah, the first time I played this, I thought it was red. That would make that makes sense because he seems like the real outdoorsy type person. Yeah. So he would I would assume he would know all this kind of outside stuff, what to do and everything. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he seemed like he knew what was going on as far as like the legend of Mickey Malone. So that made me think, oh, maybe he's like done his homework on this and he knows that there might possibly be gold or something like some kind of treasure. Um, that could be at stake. So yeah. that's kind of where my thought process was when I was a young child. <laughs> so, but yeah, sadly, the game is over. Uh, I really wish that this game could have been a bit longer. Yeah. But, you know. we I feel like we did a lot of flipping back and forth between during the day and at night, just for, for like the different tasks, like who we had to talk to all that kind of stuff yeah so let's talk about um some more extra information about this game that i didn't mention at first um this is actually based on two separate stories it's based on the short story ghost dogs of whispering oaks and then um nancy drew mystery stories number 167 mystery by moonlight So, um, this game is also dedicated to Mildred Wirt Benson, who was one of the ghostwriters of the Nancy Drew Mystery series. Um, She passed away during the development of the game. Um, Let's see. I'm getting this information, by the way, from the Nancy Drew Wiki fandom page. Um, Let's see. Uh, This is the only game in the adventure series where Nancy has a PDA. She didn't have a cell phone yet. Um, And this game was released about a month before the 2002 television film, which we've covered already. There are some hints at prior games. Nancy briefly mentions the case when she first talks to Vivian's friend Eustacia and drop off. If you call Vivian a second time after you get the key, Eustacia answers the phone and it's fabulous. Try saying her name in a different accent. Eustacia and drop off. (laughs) I always feel like it's some kind of a Russian name or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I like it. Yeah, it's almost like, obviously, if there are Russian listeners, this is just our take on it. Like, we don't mean to laugh or anything like that, but this is just like how we think. Yeah. No, I'm definitely laughing at myself. (laughs) 
and how horrible my accent is. Yeah. Uh, Eustacia Andropov. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yours is better than mine. You did pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> In the Culprit Slayer, there is a very familiar Chinese takeout carton and a pizza box. Final scene. Yep. Final scene and message in a haunted mansion. Like I mentioned earlier, the purple ski boots in Sally's shed are the same brand as the one that Professor Hotchkiss has in Treasure in the Royal Tower. Emily is selling the movie Neo, which was a poster scene at the Royal Palladium in the final scene. And then there's a magazine referencing Scarlet Handprints. And then this is a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, when Nancy tells Sally about the speakeasy in the house, Sally says she wonders whether she bought a house or an amusement park. Uh, Sally and Nancy's boss in that game in Haunted Carousel is the same voice actress, Carrie Healy. So, a little trivia. This information is from this website that we have talked about before. It's ataniel.org. They have um, different web pages for different games. So they have a section of the death scenarios my favorite thing to talk about in the games. <laughs> so um, let's just go through the list and say whether we've done it either this playthrough or previous playthroughs. So you can fall through the rotten floorboards to your death. Nope. Didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it did for me. Um, <laughs> you can pass out and die if you pump the gas enough times in the shed. So Absolutely. that didn't happen, but I did die in the shed during the fire okay so uh, I, I did it a step too early because the can had to get on fire to be able to knock the sky over yeah and i yeah yeah i died during that part yeah. understandable <laughs> your boat will veer off course and explode if you take off in it without first setting the screws for the um spark plugs to the proper height that didn't happen for me absolutely has happened to me in the past <laughs> uh, you can fall out of your boat and drown if you neglect to pick up the life jacket. Oh. Absolutely, it's happened to me. No. Skin, is that safety 101, woman? I know. I know. <laughs> you can die in the fire in the shed yeah. if you don't escape in time. Yep. Um, you will drown if you open the door leading into the well without draining it first. Nope. Absolutely done that. <laughs> um, if you try to walk around without a flashlight, you'll die. And the important thing is, too, when you go down to the speakeasy the first time, you have to make sure you know where the light, or not the light switch, the switch is to get the stairs to come back open. Yeah. To go back outside. Yeah. Uh, and then if you fail the end game challenge, you'll be killed by the culprit. Oh, gosh, that's violent. Yeah. And then you can also lose the game without dying if you escape from the burning shed, but you don't put out the fire in time. Uh, that didn't happen for me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely has happened to me before. Um, moving on. <laughs> There's an Easter egg in this game, um, which you can get by dialing 555-SOLV on the phone, which is 555-7658. This is part of a pregame contest. 
if you do that, then you get the Easter egg in your inventory. And if you take the egg and hold it like in your hand and walk around in the woods, there will be um, extra stuff that happens. Like there's a place uh, in part of the woods where they say that there's extra bait that's there if you need it. Um, there are fun little quotes and things that will pop up. Shout outs for contest winners. There's uh, a replay of the shed exploding. I mean, there's just, you know, a lot of different things. So that one's always a good time to do. There are also optional things that you could do in this game. Here's an interesting section in here. Plot holes. I want to get your take on this, Alexa. Yes. Number one, why did M need to get rid of Sally in the first place? She already knew about the underground passages and how to get into them. So how could Sally have been obstructing her attempts to get through that final door? Yeah. Like, well, didn't, didn't M want to buy the place at some point? I think she did, but I think she got outbid. I feel like that's probably why. Because if she got outbid and then Sally got the place... She probably wants to kick Sally out to be able to have the place for herself so she can bid on it again and potentially get it. Yeah. Or just have Sally vacate the premises and have it just sit there abandoned and empty. Then she could do whatever she wanted. But she would still have to be careful with Ranger Acres. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Number two. If M wanted to keep Nancy from exploring the underground passages so badly, why did she sell her flashlight batteries? Couldn't she have just pretended to be out of batteries? <laughs> well, I mean, she, maybe. She, or she could have had enough batteries for the both of them. Yeah. So, I don't know. Why was Emily trapped in the treasure room at the end of the game? Nancy had just exited that room through the drain, so why couldn't Emily do the same? Is she just supposed to be so greedy that she wouldn't leave the gold behind? There's no way she could have carried more than one gold bar at a time anyway. Yeah, she she could have carried one gold bar at a time and still went up the ladder to take him to the top. And she could have escaped anyway without the gold. Yeah. So she just decided to stay down there? I guess. (laughs) What happened to all the gold? Yeah, that's a good question. We don't know. (laughs) The final one... What did the police even arrest Emily for? Other than trying to kill Nancy, which Nancy didn't have any proof of, she hasn't really done anything. Letting her dogs bark at Sally would have been a misdemeanor at best, probably just a warning. And since the gold didn't actually belong to anybody, she wasn't really stealing it any more than Nancy was. That, I I feel like, can be answered by the fact that... (sighs) This is my thought of the game. I feel like Emily wanted the property for the potential of there being gold there one but two she was also selling antiques in her store and i think she wanted the area so that she could drag the lake for artifacts and i think that's illegal that's a good point so i think that once everything came to light and she was there and she was threatening Nancy, which you could get somebody for threatening. Yeah. It probably came out that she had been dragging the lake and selling what she had found. Yeah. That's could have been it. Yeah. Could have been it. So. And do you realize that all of those things that you just mentioned with the plot holes, they all revolve around Emily? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Which 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I really feel like this is a solid, strong game. I wish it was longer, but I also think it was a product of the time when it was made 20 plus years ago. So they were doing the best they could. And this is around the beginning of the time where they started doing two games a year. So they, in theory, were having two games in development at the same time at different stages. Yeah. Like your stories are not going to be perfect. This is still a small company at this point. Yeah. They only have so many employees and they're on a time crunch. Yeah. So I think all things considered that this game is really strong. Yeah. Even stronger than some of the later games. Yeah. Because like I've said before, I feel like this game came out in the glory days of Her Interactive. Yeah. So. So I have a question about the dogs. Okay. The live dogs. How are they able to get out from that secret passage? I mean, yeah, that's a good point. How do they get down there to begin with and how do they get out? There must have been some sort of exit and entrance for them to get in and out easily. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they can climb a ladder. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And did you see that in, when he went to the cellar, when he went down the stairs and he looked straight, you see the outline of the door to the speakeasy? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, that's the double door, right? When it's like you're at the bar in the speakeasy and you're looking straight. That's the door, right? That it goes to the cellar? I believe so, yeah. Because I didn't do that this time. I just went, like, speakeasy once and end game and all that stuff. Yeah. Overall, easily one of my favorite. Yeah. Always has been, always will be. Oh, were we going to talk about Ranger Acres? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remembered. Yeah, we should. So maybe the reason why he's such a pain in the butt is because he feels like he has to make reparations for, it was his grandfather, right? Yeah. For his grandfather being associated with gangsters. I mean, maybe he feels like it's his responsibility to make up for that, which isn't a thing. Like, you can't help that you had family members that were involved in that. I mean, that's kind of just how it was back then. Like, not saying that it was good that people tried to go against the law and obtain alcohol when they shouldn't. But a lot of people were doing it at that time because it was outlawed. And it's like, you shouldn't feel bad all these decades later for the actions of someone else that you had nothing to do with. Just because someone in your family made, like, bad decisions or the wrong decisions about something doesn't mean you have to do the same kinds of things. Exactly. Like, you can do, like, good things. You can do positive things. Like, all that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that I always say, like in real life is it really doesn't matter where you come from. What matters is where you're going. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's probably why he was such a pain in the butt was he was trying to make up for that, even though that's ridiculous. Yeah. So but I mean, other than that, I mean, like I don't know about you, but I really wish this game was longer. Yeah. Oh, and Ranger Acres had a field day with at the end giving tickets to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I was going to mention was, uh, and I'm so disappointed that this didn't happen, but I'm a huge fan of Legos. <laughs> a lot of building Lego sets. It's one of the things that I did during COVID lockdown was I built like so many sets of Legos. So much fun. On the Lego website, they have where people can submit ideas. Like they can build things themselves, like from scratch and submit it as like an idea. 
and the thing is if they get like they have a certain time frame like a certain amount of days and if they get like i think it's like ten thousand people that are interested in that design then there's a chance that lego will actually make it as a set and will sell it somebody made a beautiful design of the cabin i mean gorgeous loved it and it didn't get enough votes so they didn't make it i think that you mentioned that to me once i think i did i think i did i think if you google it you can probably still find it let me see really quick because i have the internet open here because i loved it like i thought it was so cool um let's see ghost dogs of moon lake lego set let's see how's your dogs doing candace with all this dog talk uh lucy just woke up (laughs) my lucy woke up (laughs) and that's a fun thing too right where it's like dog lucy you're lucy Mm -hmm. same name as in the game lucy yep Yep. i can't get this website to oh wait 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 yes okay so if you go to um if you like just google it ghost dogs moon lake uh lego set uh her interactive link will pop up and it shows like where her interactive shared it and it's just a really cute picture of um the cabin set and uh it just explains like what you have to do in order to try to get that to be a set um like i said that was a long time ago sadly it didn't get created into a set um but and i don't know if you knew this or not but our lovely friend of the podcast hugh uh nd walkthroughs nancy drew walkthroughs has stated earlier this year that he plans on making a lego youtube channel i don't know if that exists yet or not um but he might be making some nancy drew lego sets hopefully fingers crossed i would love to see that um so if you're interested in legos check out hugh like i said friend of the podcast yeah so um but yeah and like i said if you're interested in in googling that i mean it's it's such a cute picture and i really wish that it had been made yeah because i you know i'd have been first one in line to get it 100%. yeah <laughs> but yeah i loved how um when nancy was talking to vivian the first time vivian said that she only liked iggy Because he was nice and quiet and he laid on the porch all day. Yeah. (laughs) Just so cute. (laughs) Maybe that's another reason why I really like this game is because it's obviously about dogs. (laughs) (laughs) We were saying before we started recording where in the game there's four dogs. Candace has three. So she has like three out of four dogs covered like from. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do have some listener comments. Okay, I'm ready. Let's hear some listener comments. Let's hear some listener comments. MBLRoy99 said, one of my favorites. Yes. Faith underscore strong underscore as underscore steel said, Pretty much the same. One of my faves. Wise Hunter of Artemis said, I love it. I do wish we encountered the dogs more because they were super scary. Yes. <laughs> Nancy.Drew.Nerd said, Honestly, I'm not sure I understand some puzzles still. I think nostalgia matters because people who played it when young like it more than I do. And I didn't play this game until I'd played a lot of the others. 
and it takes I mean, that, that makes sense because I really do feel like I mean for example I still love secrets can kill in comparison it's horrible yeah but the nostalgia of it it was the second game I ever played like I, I won't forget it because of that so I get it they also said it takes place very near where I live, yet it's really not high on my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my underscore forest underscore library said one of my favorites. I love the bird watching mini game. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Ray of light underscore 13 said a bit boring to be honest. Ouch. Jeez. Emily Locke underscore K said, very nostalgic and like the plot and the culprit is thorough. Yeah. Hansa Borrego said, love it. Definitely one of my fave games. Love the vibes slash locations. Yeah. Beautiful Cookie said, one of the best games. The puzzles are great and the speakeasy is so cool the best <laughs> and they also said the opening sequence with the dog attack is amazing it's iconic for sure and the last one is from the silent bible study 7 said one of my favorites i don't know why though aside from treasure in a royal tower understandable yeah so that's all of the listener thoughts awesome awesome mm-hmm. i love it when people always um share their thoughts because i love it when people have different thoughts than us because then it also makes me think of different things you know that i might not have thought of so uh keep it up anytime that you all have any kinds of comments let us know your inboxes are always open yes they are yes they are um and i am in the process of trying to post um some behind the scene pictures of us recording um (laughs) if i can get it to upload oh man either way i'll i'll get it up there at some point (laughs) technical issues am i right (laughs) i feel like it's always happens once like a week or once every few weeks i know all the time oh man oh well so it is what it is but anyways so stay tuned next everyone for the interview with david s hogan enjoy enjoy David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you on with us. Well, I'm excited to be here. Just please, you, you can't ask me to recreate the voices I did because it was a million years ago. David, please do uh, Brady. I'll be like, ah, David, can you do Red Knot? I'll be like, mm, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> but I'm, anything else, I'm here for you. But recreating, I think I did four characters for... Uh, the nancy drew games with her interactive but man oh man that was a while ago i actually have them all written down the characters that you voiced cool jog my memory too (laughs) red knot and ghost dogs of moon lake henrik vanderhuhn from oh gosh i'm blanking now too (laughs) yeah yeah that's right 
Tex Britton from Shadow Ranch and Brady Armstrong from Final Scene. Oh, that's awesome. And... It sounds like I played a. It sounds like I voiced oh. a character. Henrik sounds like a German character. And yeah, mm-hmm. I'll have something to say about that in a few minutes. Sorry. And you. you also did Monty, the marvelous Monty. Of course, I remember. That. <laughs> I, I remember just remembered that. too. <laughs> He was he was a character in uh, God. How do you describe it? He was like an old timey, like a figurine in a glass box that you know. I can't describe these things. Those things about you know a million years ago when uh, I remember Monty though that was fun. They were all great. <laughs> and it's you know all of like the characters that you voiced have all different kind of like. obviously different voice sounds and they're all unique like how are you able to you know get into the zone for each of them (laughs) you know i suppose i have a good imagination i mean i'm i'm okay i guess i have a good ear i have a good ear for accents that doesn't mean i'm accurate in many of them i mean i have trained myself and done a a bit of actual learning for a few accents. Like in the world of you know, English accents, there's a few of those that I feel like I'm pretty good at. Um, but sometimes, and I'm also, I come from a singing background. I was a singer before I was an actor. So I have a lot of range in my voice. I can make my voice go very high and, and rather low. So my voice has a lot of dynamic range, flexibility. And, uh, you know, I guess I kind of like making silly voices. Like, who doesn't? Silly voices and silly faces, that's kind of the foundation of my acting technique, if I'm being completely honest. So I think that once I had the opportunity to play these different characters and, you know, I talked with the producers and the director over there at for interactive and you know, I'm, I'm sh- I mean, because again, this was long enough ago that I, I can't, I'm trying to picture the team and these conversations we had, but you know, there's a collaboration that happens. And so when I realized that, you know, I wasn't just gonna be using David's voice for five different characters, I had to do some experimenting and exploring. Um, so yeah, I mean, this was even, I don't even know if I was much of a YouTube research person back then, because now I feel like whatever I wanna, learn something new or practice a different accent or dialect i'll i'll hit up youtube but i don't think i was doing that back then i was probably asking my friends who were more established actors or people who had who were really good at accents who i could borrow ideas from and then just kind of going for it um kind of going with that like what kind of like did you like specific training, schooling, did you go through to for voiceover? Yeah. Or like any? Well, <laughs> specifically for voiceover, it's so interesting to me because again, like I'm, I'm not kidding. Doing these, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I'm, I've been a working actor for twenty, going on twenty-one years. So it's been, it's been awesome. A lot of theater, and also a lot of on-camera work, but not a whole lot of voiceover. And it's interesting, it feels like 
my relationship and my work with the Nancy Drew Nancy Drew Games is actually my my 15 minutes of fame. So it's interesting because I really like my voiceover training is so small, and the voiceover work I've done since Nancy Drew, all those games has been almost nothing, almost nothing, and I can't exactly explain why. However, I, I did just do an animated series. I'll tell you about in a second. But it's interesting. I haven't done a lot of voiceover training. But I have done a lot of actor training. I went to Seattle U. I have a degree, a Bachelor of Criminal Justice. I thought I was going to be a cop. But then I, I joined the choir because we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. But I was a bit of a knucklehead in high school and into college. I got into a lot of trouble. I was on the wrong path, okay? I was doing a lot of bad stuff. And then uh, my mom was in the Seattle U choir. And I don't know if she roped me in or if I was just like a, a choir, a, a Catholic choir. I bet that's a good place for a crazy rebel like me. That'll straighten me out. And they were very beautiful women in the choir, too. So I'm like, oh, the cute women are in choir. I'll go there. So I joined the choir. I started singing. I was like, wow, this is fun because we're, we're singing, which is great. I'm meeting new people. We're doing concerts, concerts. So I start performing. And then I auditioned for a musical at Seattle U. Got into a musical. I did like three or four other plays. I started taking classes there at Seattle U. I fell in love with Shakespeare. And then after college, I kind of just uh, really got heavily involved in the Seattle theater scene, working a lot with Seattle Shakespeare Company and Wooden O, which is their outdoor theater touring group, Oketh Repertory Theater. I did a lot of great theater for about 10 years, and while I was working as a theater actor, I was occasionally taking classes here and there, whether it's a Shakespeare class or a movement class, stage combat. Um, I did do one class or did a little bit of training on voiceover for audiobooks, and I was like, nah, an audiobook, that's a lot of talking. I've got to voice this whole book? That's insane. So that didn't seem... That didn't seem like the move that I wanted to, you know, like, mm, no. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I We we do voiceover. I, I have an agent in Seattle. I submit voiceover auditions for a lot of commercial stuff. Occasionally a video game or two. Um, but I always tell myself, especially when having conversations about Nancy Drew, I always tell myself, Go take some more voiceover. Do more voiceover training because it's it's another opportunity to act. And uh, maybe this will inspire me. This chat we're having right now, maybe it will lead me to go take a few more classes because I love training. I think it's part of an actor's responsibility is to keep learning because you never, you never know it all. Right. So... Let's say you've just booked an acting job. Do you prefer to have more of a background of the character that you're going to be portraying, or do you prefer to have a little bit more leeway as far as being able to improv some things? Well, I think it kind of depends on the project. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some scripts I feel are so well written and everything is structured so well that I shouldn't be trying to improvise at all. Mm -hmm. like the, the writing is so great. So I, in cases like that, I just spend 
a lot of time with the script. I want to get those words into my body. I'm going to go through my script, go through my lines over and over and over again. Yeah, doing doing research and character research and backstory building and all that stuff is is it's important. Um, but I really want to figure out the the voice of the character. Mm-hmm. You know how they speak, what they sound like. I want to know the psychology of the character. I want to figure out um, how they move, how they walk, where they where are they confident, where are they fearful. You know, do they have any? Do they have pain in their body? How is their physical body? How's their mind? How's their heart? How's their spirit? Like all of those things are super important. Um, but yeah, in some in some uh, projects, improvisation is really great. It just mm-hmm. you don't always have that kind of. For me, I think most of the stuff that I do is I'm just going to stick to the script. Mm-hmm. But I would I would love to to work in on a film or voiceover, uh, I'd, I'd love to work on a project where it was a bit more open-ended. Like maybe mm-hmm. you have you have the structure or the idea of the scene and a few things need to happen, but you're just gonna kind of improvise your way through it. I think that would be quite challenging. I would like that. Yeah. I think. <laughs> so when you are in the booth and you're getting ready ready to record, do you have any like superstitions or rituals before you begin your work? Well, um, it's interesting. I, I did a project relatively recently with some friends and collaborators up here and we did the original, it's a new animated show that we're working on. And mm-hmm. we did the original recordings all from our own homes. So like basically right outside of where I'm at right now, we have a shed with some voiceover equipment and I'll go record in there, especially during, I. it's getting colder. So I don't know if I could go in there right now, but when weather's nice, you know, we recorded all of our voiceover lines and I, one of my characters has, I was playing with this very, very low sounding voice, like, mm-hmm. and sometimes that register in my voice is only available at night or when I'm tired, or if I've had nine whiskeys, which I never have. So, you know, <laughs> I, my voice, sometimes I'm like, dang, my voice right now, for whatever reason, the time of day it's in a great spot and I feel like I can get like so low. And so I did the recordings for this character and I think it must've been at night and it was like, man, in this really sweet spot, low, gravelly, raspy. And then they were like, hey, we're gonna re-record everything. We're gonna go to a professional studio in Seattle. It's like 11 a.m. So I had to re-record everything and I'm like, where's my low voice? I'm up here. I'm like, Hey guys, I'm here. Uh, wasn't that high obviously, but I couldn't, I couldn't find that low bass. I couldn't find that gravel because it was the daytime and my voice just wasn't, I think I need to, maybe there is a trick. Maybe there's a relaxation technique or maybe there's something that would allow my vocal cords or I'm, I'm not a structural master of what goes on down here in the voice, but there may be a technique that allows that low register to always be there, but I don't know that trick. Um, <laughs> so I was a little disappointed. So I, was, I guess I'm kind of hoping maybe they can, 
you know, maybe that audio engineer when they're doing their post-production can just kind of make my voice even lower because that would be, it was just very appropriate for the character. Mm-hmm. Um, superstitions outside from that, you know, I got to, I think I just have to be disciplined. I don't really have superstitions, but I do get undisciplined about like staying hydrated, drinking water, like going in and the voice can easily get out of joint if you don't take care of it. So Mm -hmm. there are, because I'm also an acting coach, so I work with students a lot and I'm like, hey, take care of your voice. Here's some exercises. Try to do these once a week, if not daily. I don't do that. I should practice what I preach. I should be watching these and going through these breathing and vocal exercises to continue just kind of strengthening my instrument. But, you know, life happens. That's life true. Happens. Get a bit distracted. Um, so I think if anything, when I'm in a booth, I, I do like to have hydration. Um, potato chips, like oily potato chips are actually, if you're if you have like a, the microphones are so sensitive. They could, the, the great ones are so expensive. And you wear headphones, of course, in a booth. And sometimes you can just hear like every, you can hear like every little kind of smack of your mouth. And it's just, it's so awful. So sometimes if you eat like an oily potato chip, it lubricates the inside of the mouth and you get rid of all the dryness and all the sticky stuff that sometimes gets in the way of a really clean recording. So I like mm. to have that. And tea. Very interesting. I like, I like hot tea a lot. Tea and honey. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of going off of that, um, for those individuals thinking about going into like voiceover, acting, theater, any of that kind of thing, um, what kinds of like advice would you give them? Uh, hmm. I think what, you know, what is your why? That's important for really for folks to figure out like, why are they pursuing this incredibly challenging career track, right? Because we hear things like, oh, starving artists, and there's no money in the arts, and there's often no funding for the arts, especially in public school systems, and blah, blah, blah. It's just a very challenging way to make a living. Um, and there's a, also a lot of mythology about the biz that, you know, you, you don't want folks to just get into it thinking that like, oh my God, I'm going to be on the red carpet and it's going to be so like glamorous because it's like, it's a, it's a job. The glamour side of it is like, I don't know, all of those, all of the celebrities, like those aren't regular working actors. I mean, if you get to that status or that spot in your career, cool, but that's often an accident. It's like, it just kind of happens. You don't know how it happens or why it happens because there's so many talented actors that are just as good as anybody else, but for whatever reason, they're just, you know, working actors. Um, so I guess I would say for, for anybody pursuing the, the life of an actor, um, make sure you're training. Like you have to be, you have to be in classes or you have to be learning somehow about how to how to act and it is a lot of it is imagination work um but there's also a lot of craft like we were just talking about the importance of training your voice you've got to train your body there's also so many different styles of acting there's 
you know, if you want to be successful in musical theater, you should probably need to be a triple threat. That means you need to dance well, sing well, and act well. If that's not your thing, if you just want to be a voiceover actor, then maybe it's more about working just on that aspect of that of the acting career. Um, there's acting in commercials, TV, film, indie film. I mean, it's you can specialize or you can just try to get good at it all, which I think is important in smaller markets like I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in Seattle. So there's not a dominant film industry, although things are growing, which is great. So most actors here who want to at least uh, be successful financially, we have to be good at a lot of stuff. We have to be good at stage acting. We have to be good on camera. We have to be good at commercials. We have to learn about voiceovers. So there's just a lot of learning, a lot of training. You don't have to go, you don't have to like go to college necessarily to become an actor, but especially if you're already thinking that because I, I did go to college but i also know that student debt is insane like a lot of schools if you don't have uh financial aid or a scholarship it's madness super expensive i was lucky enough my parents both worked at seattle university so when i went to seattle university it was exceptionally discounted it was almost free for me to go to school which is insane so as actors who are getting out of high school especially if they've found the arts as they're thinking about what do i do next yeah going to college that's a big consideration but i think you do have to there are other ways to to become uh, a working actor without going to college because again i didn't I did go to college, but my degree is, is as I mentioned, criminal justice. So there's always, if you're in a, a big enough city, there's going to be schools, like even our school here in Seattle, uh, Mighty Tripod Acting Studio. There's a lot of independent learning institutions in most uh, mid to larger size cities. So you got to train, surround yourself with good people, find some mentors, and uh, just keep hustling. If you really want it, just never give up because you never, you never know. Just stay in it. Good advice. <laughs> um, prior to you voicing some of the Nancy Drew characters, had you ever heard of Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys? Oh, of course. I mean, definitely. I don't, I, hmm. I mean, I, again, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not ancient, but when I look back on my my boyhood, uh, I mean, I certainly remember the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. I'm just trying to visualize, like, was I reading those books? I, I even feel like I heard I, I'm sure my mom was reading Nancy Drew because Nancy Drew. When was it? When was when were they first published? 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom was re my mom grew up on Nancy Drew and my dad probably grew up on the Hardy Boys. So I'm sure that they were into it. So I think when I can't even remember, I was either still at Seattle U or just out. I was working with her interactive and I'm, I'm, I remember I'm pretty sure when I told them they were like, really cool. That's because that just had such a story for them. So they were probably more excited than I was. I was like, yeah, I've heard of Nancy Drew, but you know, whatever. I, I grew up on like G.I. Joe. Like 
what, you know, I grew up in the 80s. It was like G.I. Joe and that era of, I mean, comic books, X-Men. I was into comics, X-Men, G.I. Joe, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd certainly heard of Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Oh, Scooby-Doo. Like, I was, that was like my mystery where I was like, I love Scooby-Doo. That's amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> talking about her interactive um yeah. after your first experience recording a game for them what did you like so much about the experience that made you come back to do additional games well they were just so nice they were super easy to work with um i loved the scripts i thought the scripts were fun uh you know, anytime, you know, just as I just mentioned, this career path, being an actor, being successful at this is really challenging. It's hard. Mm -hmm. So especially back then, um, anybody who's like, hey, do you want a job doing doing the acting? And I'm like, of course I want that job. So I was going to, even if they were, you know, moderately a pain in the butt, I probably would have gone back and worked. Mm -hmm. But they were amazing. Everybody that I worked with there was amazing and i remember going can't remember the studio where we actually did the recording but that was you know one of probably one of the first times i was in a professional recording booth like and that experience was just like whoa this is cool man i mean you go into the place and they have like the snacks out for everybody to have little snackies and you go in you just feel taken care of you have the studio engineer over there and you're wearing the headphones and you're laying down something and they're giving you feedback and you're like, ah, cool, cool, cool. Okay, I can do that. And you do it again. It's the whole experience of getting directed and just feeling like you're a part of a story. And, and I just I just remember really, really liking the whole team. It was a great experience. So of course I'd go back and like, hey, like try this other character. I'm like, okay, well, sure, that sounds cool. Oh, German accent? Uh, I, I will try the German accent. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't, I was kind of making it up. But again, I remember, I think it was Henrik. I think Henrik Vanderhune was maybe a German bloke, if I remember. I Because I, I remember having to pick the brain of somebody I was in a play with. And I think they either spoke German and gave me some tips or something. There was something about that character because i just did a short film a few weekends ago and my friend who directed he's like um what, and this speaking of improv like we got to set this was for a speed filmmaking competition where everything is last minute and we get to set and he's like oh i think i think your character should have an accent i'm like okay like something like german or french i'm like uh uh, why didn't you say British, darling? Um, so I, I put on this, you know, kind of semi-accurate German accent. But, you know, sometimes you just got to go with the flow. <laughs> just experiment. I'm, I'm a big fan of experimenting because I don't know about you all, but I watch plenty of movies with plenty of my favorite actors who are movie stars. And I'm like, that's not an accurate accent. But mm -hmm. I love it. I love your acting. I can, you know, I can look past it. And it's not like my ear knows what every single accurate accent would even sound like. But you know a couple of them. Some of my favorite actors, I'm like, I love that actor. But they're just 
accents are not their thing. Yeah. So I don't feel that bad when my accent is not perfect. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm just trying. All right. I'm trying something on here. <laughs> I wasn't even getting paid. I wasn't even getting paid for this thing. I'm If I have a if someone looks at me and goes, David, that wasn't very accurate. I'm like, well, oh, well, I tried. It was it was awfully fun. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that with Henrik, what we had already talked about um, the Scarlet Hand game. Mm-hmm. After, like as I was playing it and afterwards I'm like I cannot I, I I can obviously say Henrik's full name just like Henrik Vanderhune but I always felt like I had to do it in some kind of accent <laughs> totally <laughs> I don't know how I it's just just how I thought about it <laughs> yeah I should tell you so the if you have time for me to tell you a quick story and the reason why for me this the Nancy Drew part of the mythology of this being my my 15 minutes or my David actually if anyone asked me have you ever done anything David anything you know you're kind of famous for I'm like yeah Nancy Drew games of course I did this play it was in 2011 one of my favorite plays ever and I got to the first day of rehearsal and our assistant stage manager who I hadn't met before was like the first maybe the second rehearsal one of the first meet and greets and I get there and they're they're just kind of looking at me and they have this kind of this face that's full of admiration and like a fan fangirl moment. And I'm like, hi, hey, I'm David. Nice to meet you. Oh, my God. You played Brady in the Nancy Drew games and was had this total like thing because I was Brady. Was it Armstrong? Is that his last yes. name? You were Brady Armstrong in this game that I played as a girl growing up, and that and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm having I was having my my star moment," and it was about this voiceover part that I probably hadn't thought about for ten years, and this was back in 2011. So it's always fun revisiting or hearing stories because I also am a video gamer, and I play this game with my wife. We're addicted to this game called Skyrim that's been around, mm-hmm. you know, for over 10 years. And we got the expansion pack recently, and we play with this other character. We're the main character, but we have like a, a sidekick or a follower, and we just love this character's voice. It's so charismatic. And then we looked him up on IMDb, and we're like, oh, my God, that's Dan Donahue. And Dan Donahue was an actor that I worked with a million years ago, and he's just a really great, amazing guy. And we're like hitting him up on Twitter. Dan Donahue, we love hearing you when we're playing Skyrim. Your work as Teldron Zero is so because his voice is just amazing. And I, rem- I mean, like playing that character and hearing that voice even now. I mean, it's like these things for whatever reason you get immersed in these games and you have an emotional experience through these games and that's kind of what it was for this person for me with Brady and I was just like that is so so cool <laughs> and now here we are talking about Nancy Drew still it's really cool it's awesome um if you were asked to come back for another voice for Nancy yeah. Drew would you do it <laughs> god I thought you'd be like David which which character would you come back and be like oh my god Nancy Drew trivia uh of course I would. Yes. I mean, is that part of the deal? Is her does 
a question for you. Maybe you don't know. Is her interactive? Are they still are they still making games? They came out with a game in 2019, mm-hmm. uh, Midnight Salem. Now there's talk of a, about a potentially another game, but oh. so you know we don't know too many details any yeah. of that stuff yet. So you know mm. anything could happen. Totally, of course I would come back, and it would be very it would be really interesting to kind of you know my my relationship to acting has changed my process is different i mean i'm a different i'm still me but you know people grow they change we learn stuff we 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 become almost different people as as time wears on so it would be really really fun to uh prepare for a role and to work with them again heck yeah that'd be great and would you want to do an accent role or no accent? Oh, I would. Uh, I would like to do either. I mean, an accented role would be fun because it would give me something to. Uh, I now have a pretty, pretty good uh, friend and coach in my life that I could immediately check in with. And be like, hey, I've just got hired. This role has a Scandinavian accent. Can you help me? Or like an Australian accent. I'm always like the Australian New Zealand sounds or like I. South Africa, even like a lot of those sounds are kind of similar in that kind of world. I mean, I get those confused all the time. So I would love to do that, but I would definitely hire a coach. Candice, do you have any other questions? Um, I think just one more. Um, If people want to connect with you online, where can we find you? Um, I would say I'm on Twitter for now. Uh, we'll <laughs> see about that for, I don't know how much longer I'll be there, but Twitter for now. And my handle is at David Scott Hogan. Somebody already had David S. Hogan when I joined Twitter. And I joined Twitter like 10 plus years ago. Looked up, ooh, I'm on a David S. Hogan. That's kind of my stage name. Somebody had it. And that account has like, it's not even an active account. That was, That's like, the word. You're not even using this thing. So David <laughs> Scott Hogan, that's me on Twitter. Everywhere else, I'm just David S. Hogan, which is basically Instagram and Facebook. I do use Facebook. I'm not on there quite as much, but you can find me there. I'm on this. There's this, are you familiar with um, Linktree? Yes. So I have a, I don't have a link tree, but I have something that's very similar. It's called Lightning Link. Uh, and that'll get people a lot of different kinds of links about my, my life. Um, I could drop it. Does Skype have chat like uh, it does? Yes. Drop it here. But I guess people are listening to this, aren't they? Mm-hmm. We can link it. That's okay. Okay, cool. I'll put the lightning link here. And that will get people connected with my IMDB, with my reels, and a couple other things, which are kind of fun. Awesome. David, thank you so much for coming on with us. It was so nice to chat with you. Thanks for having me on. It was great to be here. We appreciate it. What are we talking about next week, Candace? Next week, we will be discussing Nancy Drew Mystery Stories number 10, Password to Larkspur Lane. Looking forward to it. (laughs) It's a good one so far. I'm in the process of finishing reading it. Me too. So, looking forward to that. But otherwise, you all know where to find us. Instagram, River Heights Buzz. Our email, riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. 
Please our email Facebook us. Group. Yes, please email us. We constantly check that inbox and we'll get back to you if you send us a message. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group and on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. And we will catch you next time. See you next time, everyone. Bye, guys.